Aaron's going to help me preach today. Let's do this. Let's do this. So, uh, yes, there's hoodies available. I might be wearing one. Um, if you're interested, they're in the foyer. Uh, we're going to like put those proceeds to help the live stream and all that. So, yeah, we're, it's going to be good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I, have you ever had a situation where you needed somebody to like get your like have your back? Like you get in a situation, you're like, man, I really need somebody. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it on my own. Um, I've, I've noticed that a lot. <laughs> and part of that is people like Danielle, the trustee team, huge. Because when you get into um, a job like this, you run into a lot of things that you don't know what you're doing, and you run into a lot of unexpected stuff, and you have a lot of responsibility, and they share that load with me, and I appreciate that. They have, um, we have each other's back in, in, a, in a huge way. The elders with um, Matt and Julie Boomsma and Dave and Robin Hernandez, uh, Dave and Valerie Short, Sarah and I, you know, the, um, the elder team is, is amazing. We met last night. Um, we were talking about y'all by name. No, I'm just kidding. We were, but, but we were talking about you all, and basically, what does 2020 look like? Like, what are we, what are we hoping for um, spiritually as we move forward um, uh, and, and see all of our, 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 our walks with God grow and, and progress? And so we're excited about that. And they have, we have each other's back, and it's good, right? It's good to feel that support. Um, it's good. It's, it's really not good when you feel like no one's got your back, right? When no one's got your back and you're left exposed, you're left on your own. So I don't know if today, maybe you're a student and you're heading into finals. Um, you know, you've got to, you're going to start maybe working on that last project. And uh, you're really hoping that that group project, that your group has your back, right? Because um, there's always that one guy that never shows up to a meeting, you know, ends up like taking all the credit. Nobody's ever done that, right? Or had that happen. I'm sure you guys are like deer in headlights. Um, or maybe you're uh, a parent um, and you are like, feeling like you're in over your head a little bit and uh, just needing somebody to kind of come alongside you and help you. Um, that's a big deal to know that that's happening, to know that you've got some people that you can trust and you can, you can count on. Um, maybe you're a single parent. Maybe you're a single parent and, man, it can be a lot, a, a heavy burden to carry as a single mom or dad and, and feeling like you have to pull it all together. And it's hard to ask for help maybe for you and to know that there, even a church like this or family members that are around you that, are, that have got your back, I think is huge. And, and especially when we feel like, like we're under like pressure. Last week we talked about opposition. Opposition is a big deal. Um, and it comes from the outside and comes up from the inside. And I ended last weekend with this passage from uh, Nehemiah chapter 4. And we're going to be right back in Nehemiah 4 again today. So you can go there. Um, and we're going to push so far into Nehemiah, we're going to go a whole three more verses. <laughs> Not three more chapters, three more verses. But they're so good. They're so good that I want to be able to, like, walk through them. But I want to remind you all and all of us about what was said right at the end last week. So the last thing that we read was in um, verse 12. And it's where... All the people come to Nehemiah. Remember, he's there. He's in Jerusalem. His project is to rebuild the walls. He's been called by God. And we're all trying to figure out what is our change, our world thing. What does God burden us with? And we're trying to figure out, and we're relating to this project that Nehemiah has to rebuild the walls. And then 
good old Sanballat and Tobiah come in and they start hurling insults at them and ridiculing them and being sarcastic and this opposition from the outside happens. And then the armies begin to build up around Jerusalem and there's all this pressure that's coming and the people begin to be afraid. They are fearing for their lives. It's so much so that the, all the people come to Nehemiah and they literally, it says, they came to us and told us ten times over, they will attack us. They will attack us. They will attack us. Do you want me to keep going? They will attack us. 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 Get it now? That was mostly for you. And I think that what's crazy about that is that this is the fear that's inside. And as we read today, we find out what does Nehemiah tell the people of God right after this? Right after being basically yelled at that there's an attack that is imminent. This is going to happen. They are going to attack us. What does Nehemiah say? And so we're going to kind of walk through tag team this a little bit. We're going to walk through um, this passage. It's really chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. And um, let me pray, and uh, let's go ahead and read. So, Heavenly Father, you are here right now, and Spirit of God, you teach us. Lord, we're here, and we all have a last name. We all are here, and you know who's here. There's no mistakes in God's economy. God, you are ready to move in our hearts. And, Lord, I pray that we would be willing that we'd be willing students to, to learn, to open our heart, open our minds, whatever stuff we need to, to set before you and not pay attention to right now, let us do that. Help us focus on what it is your word is trying to teach us. So much application today in three short verses. Lord, teach us in Jesus' name. So chapter 4, verses, uh, verse 13 it simply says this, therefore, I, um, after all the attacking uh, comments came to him, he says, therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, their spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall each to our own work. So we have this scene, and we have to get our heads around this, right? Imagine, this is a movie in the making. Imagine the scene, right? You have Jerusalem on a hilltop, built on a hill, and there is, the walls are under construction, but there is an army that's descending upon it. And everybody sees it, everybody is freaking out, and everybody comes to Nehemiah and says they're going to attack us. And what does Nehemiah do? is he positions all of the people in the gaps of the wall by family. Family by family by family. So 
So if there's anything that you remember today, it's this simple thing, that everyone has a gap to fill. Everyone needs to get in the gap. Get in your gap. That is the whole idea, is that these, these families, imagine what it would look like that you have this army coming and descending upon Jerusalem. And as you're getting ready to invade, you start to see the people of God inside the walls mobilize. And the parts that you can see past, the low points of the wall, you see these families stand up in those, those areas, those low points, and they have swords, they have spears, and they have bows, and they are united as families in those gaps. And basically, they're going, bring it. Bring it. I think that that is so powerful. Think about the, the unity that it portrays, right? We're, 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 we think about... Um, the body of Christ, and we think about membership, and we think about members of the body. We think of that, about that as a New Testament idea, right? But here it is in the Old Testament. We see a picture of unity of, the, of really the people of God, where there everybody's got to be in their gap. Everybody's got to be there. And as they are, there's a unification that happens, and it's amazing. Unless you're a gap filler, and you feel like you have to fix everything. Not that that's me. It's a lot me. It could um, be. <clears throat> like, you know, you, you look around and you see all of the holes in the wall and you're like, but they're not doing it. Maybe they're not doing it well enough. Maybe it's the not. The way I would do it. The way I would do it. Um, and we take on assignments that were not given to us. All right. I, I'm not the only one, right? I just need, I need to know for a moment. I'm not the only one who, who helps God out and says, listen, I, if you would not have shown me that hole in the wall if it wasn't mine to fix. I would not have been aware of that need should I not be the one to take care of it. Gosh, it's so hard to, to stay in your gap. To stay in your gap. Oh, sorry. It's so hard. Like, oh, and it's really not selfish or arrogant. The heart behind me wanting to help God out is not because I think I'm so good at it. It's because I genuinely believe it needs to be taken care of. Oh, it does. It, it needs to be addressed. The problem is it's not mine to do. Get in my gap, do my assignment, and trust that God's got the other stuff all taken care of. I think that that's actually like key because think about it right so i'm in standing in my gap and i see all this whole army right and i'm like listen micah jeremiah sarah noah annalise we got this we're gonna gonna take care of business i am feeling good but i need to make sure 
like out of the corner of my eye. Is Danielle in her gap? I need to make sure. And I think what we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing when we're in the gap? Because we're not going to be looking around to see if everybody's, you know, got their gap filled. There's, there's some very specific things that Nehemiah says. So, so that, that first verse was, hey, I positioned them in the low points, at the exposed points of the wall, um, posted them by families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Let me stop there. So I, I love this idea, and, and we were just talking this morning about it, that um, they were equipped with swords, spears, and bows. They were equipped to do hand-to-hand combat up close and personal with swords. They were prepared to do some medium-range stuff that I could hit with if I throw a spear. I could hit that target. And they were also prepared to do some long-range stuff where I could shoot some arrows to guys that I can't reach. There was short-term, middle-term, and long-term things that they were able to see. And I believe, I believe that that is a word for somebody in the room today that knows that, you know what, there are some things right now that you have been equipped with and you have been given in your hand right now that you have the ability to affect a change this week, right now, today, today, not even this week, today. Something that you can, that you know that you need to do. A phone call, a text, a conversation, um, I don't know, uh, some, something that you're going to do. But then also you have specific things that you maybe need to pray about, but also maybe you know that you have that you can accomplish in the next seven days. It's, it's your spear. It's something you can see it and you can, man, you can, you know, you, you can see yourself knocking that out in the next seven days. And then, we, we've been equipped and we've been made aware, and I think if we think about it, we'll be made aware of things that we have that we have a little long term, maybe in the next 30 days. It's, it's our bow, the thing that we are going to like shoot for in the next 30 to 45, 60 days. Something that we know, based on what God has spoken to us about our mission, that we're going to go accomplish right now, the next week, even in the next month or two. And I think that when you're prepared and you can see that God has equipped you, he Nehemiah, he didn't put them um, by family, right, with a bunch of, like, pots and, like, like, cooking utensils, right? He gave them and made sure they were equipped, and God is equipping all of us as well for the mission that we have. Um, powerful stuff. And I love, I love the fact that he positioned them by family, because guess what? He's like, you know what? Desenzo, he's going to fight a little harder if he's fighting alongside Sarah and his kids. And I'm going to position him right outside his house. Because guess what? He's going to fight a little harder right outside his house. Ain't nobody coming in to my house. And is this this when we remind them that their family is not the enemy? (laughs) This is how this is going to go. Just just get used to it. She throws down like that, just like that, you know, and I step away. I tried to say it nice. Like, you know, she scratched the face. It's a little less like, your family's not the enemy. Now, the enemy uses people. You know, they're standing, they're, they're hurling insults and jeers. So don't be used by the enemy. Hey-o. It's Christmas. Play nice. <laughs> Play real nice around the table. You are the family that God has put together in the gap, fight together, not against each other. I'll just, I'm just going to stop that one for now. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. 
I'm afraid. Yeah. All right. Um, which is perfect because the next thing that he says after he positions them by family is he says, don't be afraid. Right? And, and it's awesome because he's, he's like, listen, um, I'm going to position you and I'm going to, and, and I love this too, verse 14, before I get there. Um, after I look things over, like Nehemiah, he, he puts that in there. Like, after I look things over, what did he see? He saw something so cool, right? The entire city of God defended by the people of God, all in their specific gap that they are assigned to. And he looks that over, I think inspired, and he's like, let's go. Is then he says to the officials and the nobles and the rest of the people, he says, don't be afraid of them. So what are we going to do in the gap? We've got swords, we've got spears, we've got bows. Are we throwing down with that? Nope. We're standing in the gap, and the number one thing we're going to do is we're not going to be afraid. No fear in the gap. We're going to stand there and we're going to say, you know what? I have confidence. I am not afraid. However, fear is real. I was going to say, jeez. So, um, yeah, I'm really good at being afraid. Like, is that something you can, like, take solace in? No. Um, the strength, being like, fearful? I, like, I, where I, my strength is Joe, being scared. No. I, I think, oh, I don't even know. How many fear thoughts go through my mind a day? Like, it's just rapid fire. What if I should have, oh, I needed to see that coming. That was mine to do. I mean, it's just constant, like a constant reclaiming of the thoughts to say, no, okay, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. And then right back at it. And I make decisions out of fear. And I think the distinction we want to have is that the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom and it's directive. But fear is disabling. Hmm. It makes us cower. It makes us question. But it's not productive. We're going nowhere. We, just, we sit and do nothing for fear of what might happen. Which is interesting because they're not really doing anything in the gap at this moment, but they are choosing not to be afraid. That's what they're the being power. told. Yeah. yeah. That when we can give our thoughts back to Jesus and recognize my strength comes from him, these battles aren't mine to fight. This gap is not mine to fill. I'm operating out of my authority of Jesus. I don't need to be afraid. It's his. It's his name on the line. It's his action to be fulfilled. It's his work to do. I just get to be on this adventure. I get to be a part of this. And it's just learning to silence those fears. And most of us won't talk about it. Most of us won't say, I mean, most people who know me would not say I'm a fearful person. It's the battle in my mind to constantly have to remind myself, nope, nope, not mine. That's not mine. That's Jesus. I, I need to relinquish that, which leads into the next part of the verse. So the things that we're doing, when we're, if we choose to get in the gap, number one, we're not going to be afraid. But then he says this, 
He says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And so he's basically saying, I want you to not be afraid. Why? Because I want you to remember the Lord. I want you to remember God. So often in Scripture, um, the prophets and even God himself reminds the people of God, don't forget the Lord. Why? Because we forget him all the time. All the time. And so when we're under attack, what are we going to do? We're going to get in the gap we have been called to. We're not going to be afraid, and we're going to remember the Lord. And I want to just flip that for a second because it's remembering what he said and what he has done. So he, Nehemiah is talking to the people of God. They know their story. They're going, oh, remember the Lord. Egypt, we got out of that. Red Sea, you parted that. The manna, I remember that. I remember all of that stuff that you did. I believe in that God who delivered his people back then. And, and I remember not only the past, but I remember what he said would be. I remember that he said that there would be a people of God that would be in the city of God, that God would dwell with them, that there would be a people that would unite and be a blessing to the world and to show them the way. He didn't know what that was. He didn't know about Jesus. But he said someday there is going to be a people who will bless Haiti and Kenya and have the ability to talk to all y'all on the live stream and all that to say that there is a God that loves you, that has a plan for you. He knew that. We remember what he has done, but we also remember what he promises will be. And then the thing is, is we're in the middle. <laughs> Remembering all the time. What do we do when we're under attack? Well, when we're under attack, we get in the gap. We, we don't, we're not afraid, and we remember. But here's the thing. When are we under attack? All the time. So here we are in the middle, and we're challenged today to remember what he's done, to remember what he says will be, and we're here in this pivot point, and we're here, and we're literally, like the song we just sang says, we're on our way. We're on our way to the king, and when we're on our way, we are to remember and not be afraid. And that's key, right? Yeah, hard. <laughs> Real hard. Absolutely, the only thing that gets us through that we're to be bringing heaven to earth, and that's what it looks like for us to bring heaven to earth is to walk in this. Because um, at this point, we're not called to do anything. Be, be not afraid, <laughs> and we're remembering. We're just we're in a state of not doing. And I think that's the hardest place for me to be. Because mm. if I'm doing, I'm accomplishing. I'm worth something. I have value in the doing. And it's difficult to find value in the being. Standing in the gap. Standing in the gap. Saying, bring it. <laughs> the next part of it says, um, so it was, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for your families your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. This is the part where Nehemiah knew, and God knew, I'm going to position them. My family's going to fight harder with their family. They're going to stand there. And I don't know what it means for you today to fight for your family, but I know that all of us, dads, moms, siblings, whether you're single, married, or have 20 kids, it doesn't matter, but you're called to fight for your family. 
and to fight, I don't know what that means. Fighting for your family could look like, Dad, going to work this week and providing. Mom, going, fighting for your family this week could be about preparing lunches. <laughs> Gotta love that, right? Laundry could be fighting for your family. It's very practical sometimes, right? I don't know what it looks like for you, but we're called to fight for our families. And we don't want to be somebody who chooses to put the sword down in the gap and to not fight. Who would do that? We fight for our families. And I think that that's, that's part of being in the gap. There's been a couple of times that were very... Call it my knower, also the Holy Spirit. Um, like something's wrong, something's off here. Um, there's been a few times that I've called the family in to my bedroom and said, "We're gonna get real tight for a few minutes, meaning weeks." Um, I don't know what's happening but I know that there's an attack and I need you to trust me that we need to be on the same page right now. Um, probably a good place to say it is not to manipulate. Do not weaponize scripture. It is a sword, wield it carefully. Real quick, we can become, we can make our family the enemy. And I need you to do this because this is what scripture says. Instead of recognizing, okay, I need to pull in. Can we pray together? Can I ask you to sit with me in this and say, all right, God, where, where are you at work? What are you doing? And what do we need to be aware of? And there's just... A radar, and I, all of us have it. I mean, the Holy Spirit came for all of us to have it. I think there are some that have it a little more um, heightened. I have a shirt that says, Mama Ain't Stupid. Um, they tried to pull off some stuff that I was like, listen, what, you think I don't know? No. That's listen. why the entire youth group is afraid of you, like literally. <laughs> like, oh, no, Sarah's here. It's Wednesday night. No. Uh, she's here. Ah, she knows things. <laughs> ah. Her does. But it, it's not to be feared of. You know, I don't want to be. Um, but trusting that and knowing he gives us wisdom for some of these things. And again, I think it's the directives opposed to the disabling. So our, our family, the, the reason I fight for my family is because I know God's called us to plan and purpose. And that when we get attacked and we get things coming at us because we do, it's intended to split us apart. It's intended to get us against each other. And Adam Talk. and Eve were the first church. It yeah. was a family. It wasn't a building. Talk about that comment that came at you, which was, you yeah, know. Yeah, about 12 years ago. Is this, is is this, this for your four and no more? This being like. Four being my four children. Mm -hmm. um, and it was in ministry conversation because I was choosing my family. And um, <laughs> I just kind of looked like, wow. I didn't see that coming. 
And then I said, yeah, yeah, it's for my four. I wouldn't say it's for no more. I would say it's for my four right now. This is my assignment. This is what God gave me. This is what I am called to. And it was like a, a confidence, like, yeah, I'm okay to be a mom. Mm. That's okay. Mm. It is my ministry. It's okay. It's good. And then my four will do more. It's multiplication. It's really not that hard to figure out. Like, do what you've been called to do, and the entire thing is taken care of. Fight for your family. And I don't know what that looks like for all of you. It, it's going to look different for each of us. So don't take on my assignment because it's not yours. But find what it is and fight for your family because we can do more together than we ever could apart. The, the last part um, uh, that we're reading today, this uh, verse 15, um, after he says to, to um, not be afraid, to remember, and to fight, he says, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. I love that. That now everyone is now going back to the spot which isn't going to be far because you're defending your area anyway, and you're going to go back to the work that they're working on. And one of the things that has been a benefit to me the most in the last year and a half that was said to me is when, um, as I was working um, and we were doing life together and all this was happening, so I don't know if any of the other guys in here, if, like, you struggle with being a fixer, you know, um, fixer, right, fixer, Fix her, fix her. Let me help you. We don't have a lot to do. There's not a lot here. I look all the time. There's like nothing. I can't figure it out. Nothing. But the reality, the reality, listen to this, is that my I cannot do her work. Her struggle, her issue, her stuff that she has to work through, I will support her, I will walk with her, but I cannot carry that load. Why? I was not, it's her load. It's not my backpack. I can try, and I can do it for a little while, and I will get exhausted because I'm carrying too much weight that I was not wired for. Now. Do we carry one another's burdens? Do we carry each other's burdens? Yes. Absolutely. That's where it gets complicated, and that's why we have this little thing called the Holy Spirit that helps us discern between helping someone through what's going on and enabling them to be and to not change the way that God would want them to. So this happened this week. So in one of the soul workouts, it was like, hey, help somebody out that needs your help today. And there was something that came up that she was working through and that I saw was a struggle. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I, I, I help that out. And I did. And she still doesn't, third service, she still doesn't know what I'm talking about. Dude, but it really it, does happen all the time. So, I, <laughs> so there's a lot to fix. But right. Yeah. So, so, we, so we did that, and it was awesome. And, and I think that that's the difference. It's the difference of knowing where I'm, I'm literally, in an unhealthy way, damaging someone because I'm trying to carry their load versus discerning when I need to be of assistance to help carry their burden that they don't have. I, I, I think that that's important to right. say. Well, so in our child care world, mm-hmm. we say don't do for a child what they can do for themselves. 
because if, if you do it, you just show me that all, all you showed me is that you can do it better than me. You want to hear that one one more time? <laughs> if you do something for a child that they can do themselves, all you do is show them that you can do it better than them. We do this to each other all the time. Hmm. The only way you're going to figure out how to get onto this chair as a, a little child is to test it, to see how do I climb up in this chair? How do, I, how do I figure out how to brace it? The fight is okay because it's teaching us. It's growing us. It's giving us confidence and courage we didn't know we had. So you fall down. So you get a bruise. So you get a cut. First off, you're not alone. Mm-mm. Ever. Ever. You are being supervised by the guy who figured it all out. <laughs> so you're going to be okay. Take some risk. Fight. Get dirty. And that's why the talk back on Friday night was so cool, was just to be able to hear people that were taking steps on their own and learning through that process of what it means to follow God and take big you know, steps or small steps with him. Um, so let's do the cards right now, Jude. Um, and, and this is what I, I want you to understand something because it's real quick um, as we wrap up. I want you guys to understand the practicality of what we're talking about. So what Nehemiah did is when he positioned ev- everybody by family, I want you to take one card per family. Um, and, and yep, if you're, yep, you, you got it. Good deal. Um, we, what Nehemiah did is he, he positioned everybody that was named in chapter three. If you read chapter three this, this week, it's kind of rough. Right? Because it's just a bunch of people being positioned all on the wall, doing their work here, there, everywhere, and all that. So what you're getting is you're getting a card with a name on it. And that name is out of chapter 3 of Nehemiah. And somebody was, who got the dung gate? Oh, I'm sorry. So your no, position. it's actually really, really good. Because uh, you're keeping you're, you're, you're positioned in a very specific spot because we need you there. Okay? Anybody get one that says you're working like near the house of heroes? Yes, Steve, I, don't you love that? Like, I want to go to the House of Heroes. What is going on there? Like, I think Kung Fu Panda, I think a lot, okay? So that's my brain. Sorry, guys. But it's so cool. So there's specific things. So like, okay, so the Makotuses. Let me see which you got. So Reham, son of Bani, near the House of Heroes. Yeah, that's where I want to be. What you got, man? So you, let's see, jo- Joda, son of Yoda. No, of Pasia, the Jeshana Gate. This is the best, right? Like, what do you got? So you are Azariah, son of Messiah, repairs near your house. Good job. Like, we need you there. Every one of you, Nehemiah is positioning you. And this is very, very practical. Like, these people were named, and that's where they were working. And they were responsible for that part of the wall. And here's what I'm telling you. How do I, how do I stand in confidence when the enemy is attacking, and how do I know the last thing I want is to get a sword in the back, right? Because I got to know that the Makotises are near the House of Heroes, and they're covering their spot. I don't want, I got to know. And so I feel like, it, I, I, I don't know how Nehemiah did this. Like if he walked around, past everyone's house, he's like, Doyle, I need you, your family, get out there on your wall, bro. And you're like, got it. I'm like, Stuart, let's go. I need you in that gap right where your spot is. Get Parker, get Alyssa, get Tina, and get in that gap, man. I need you to stand there. 
I need you to not be afraid. I need to remember God. Like, I need everybody. Marks, I need you there. Listen, I need you guys there. Francis, you're single? I don't care. Get in your gap. I need you there. Find some family. Imhoff, don't laugh. I need you too. You go help her. You see what is happening? He's mobilizing families. God is doing the same thing now. He's literally doing the same thing now. The picture that we see is when all of us are in our specific gap, we are able to withstand anything and even take ground. Um, on the back of this card is a prayer for your family. And I know it says I and all that. You can change it to we. But if you say, I'm going to make a commitment to get in the gap, look at what this says. I will get in the gap. God, you have positioned me in a specific place, and you have equipped me to stand in this gap. I will not be afraid. I will remember what you have done in the past and what you will do in the future. You are great and awesome. I will fight for my family and my home. I am aware of the enemy's plot, and you are frustrating his plan as I stand I will commit to doing my work alongside you in my spot. I challenge you this week, Detlaf, read this and pray this every day. Every single day, pray this prayer for your family or for yourself. And to say, you know what? I am choosing to stand in my gap. And I am going to remember God. And I am not going to be afraid. And I am going to fight for my family. And some of you, I just prayed with a kid after first service. He was praying that he would be able to affect his parents when he went home. This is, this is upward like leadership leading up where man, you, it doesn't matter if you're not the head of the household, you can still lead where you are and you can still pray this prayer and see God move in your life because you have been called to a gap too. And we need you in that gap. The band can come up, and Sarah, I know you want to kind of close us out. Yeah, um, <clears throat> when we were praying about, like, where this was all going and landing, um, one of the thoughts that came that I will not call a thought, spirit leading, um, was that someone, or maybe many of us, identify more with the wall that is broken, burned, neglected, abandoned, than we do with the families who have purpose and have been stationed to redeem and to restore. The wall represents actions, maybe even poor choices or things that we've done, and we've identified ourselves with that instead of identifying ourselves with Jesus who is the redeemer and the restorer and if I am in Christ and he is in me then I am a redeemer and a restorer so when we go into these songs and we spend some minutes inviting him into the conversation I want to challenge you to Stop identifying yourself as behaviors, actions, choices, and identify yourself with Jesus, who is the Redeemer and the Restorer. 
you get to be that in your home. You get to be that in your job. You get to be that wherever you find yourself because it's not in your own strength. It's not in your power. It's Jesus in you. And then it becomes effortless because it's on him. It's not on you. So um, if you can stand, we're going to pray. Father, we thank you that you speak to us through your ancient text and that you show us what it means to us in 2019, preparing for 2020. What does it look like for me to be a redeemer and a restorer in my gap? Can I trust you with all of the unknowns? Can I trust you with my feelings, with my past, with my hurts? Can I allow you to do the work in rebuilding and restoring parts of my heart that no one may even know about, but I'm not going to let anyone near? Can I trust you with those so that your work goes out so that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven, that we can see healing take place, that this Christmas can be different than other Christmases because you are a God who heals, restores, and rebuilds. We give you space to do that work, to begin that work that could be a lengthy work. We trust you with that, and we give room for you. Jesus' name. As we go um, in chapter 3, um, one of the toughest parts about that chapter that you may not know, um, unless you read it, but is that, um, it says in verse 5, that the next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa. Um, some of you had that card today. And then it says this, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Oh, like that's in that's in the word, man. Like the nobles of Tekoa would not do their work. Wow. Who knows why, right? I mean, proud. That work is below them, whatever it is. And and I think that for some of us today. Man, it's really difficult to admit when you need to do some work. It really is. It's hard. But I believe that maybe in chapter 4, things turn around for those nobles. Here's why. Because if you, re- if you remember, um, it says that I, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, I said to them, the guys, potentially the guys from Tekoa that said they weren't going to do the work, he said, hey, listen, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. He said, I'll fight for your families. I, I want to believe today. Is that okay? I want to believe that those guys that wouldn't work in chapter 3 were inspired by Nehemiah's message that God would speak to them and that they got in their gap. And I believe that today, some of you walked in today, you were like, I'm not fighting for my family. You didn't even think about it. You didn't even think about it. And somehow the Lord has spoken to you today and you've transitioned as well and you're walking out of here and you're not afraid, you're going you're gonna to have fears, you're not going to walk in it, you're going to be able to say, you know what, I remember the Lord, what he said, what he did, and what he's going to do, and guess what, I'm going to fight, 
I'm going to do my work. And so Sarah's going to close us out. So Sarah, pray us out. And uh, I just believe that that's happening right now in the room. Yeah, okay. So we're not going to just pray it out. We're going to get by family. So I don't care how big your family is. I don't care how small your family is. I don't care if you need to adopt a family. Um, get together. So kiddos, go find your family. Woohoo! Okay, so um, I was a family pastor um, at another church. And um, I was over the children's ministry, and my kids didn't go in children's ministry. Not because they were too good for that. Um, there was a season of their life um, when they they asked to be in church with us, and um, we went with it. And I think it's because God was planting some seeds that um, needed to be watered, and it wasn't awaiting for the future. It was a for now. And so um, I think it's imperative that we pray as families because God is has equipped from, from the moment we were born. He has given us, built in us, ministry to do. That's why we're here. I mean, might, some of you might think you were, you were put here to be an engineer. You're wrong. You were called, you were built, you were born to be a minister of the gospel. So every one of us, no matter what role we find ourselves in, are ministers of the gospel. So if, if our families can continue to fight together instead of against each other, dude, watch out. The world's got something coming at it. So we're going to pray, we're going to fight as a family, and we're going to invite God to show us what our call, what our purpose, what our plan is together. So Father, engage the tools you've already equipped us with. When you made us, you did not make a mistake. There is nothing wrong with who you built us to be. You did a good work in us. Remind us of who we are in you. Remind us of the good work that you've called us to. Unite our families to do the work that you've called us to, no matter what that looks like. My assignment will not be the same as everyone else's assignment. Give me the confidence and the courage that I need to walk out that assignment. And if you call me to be, give me the courage to be. If there is not one action step I'm supposed to take, nail my feet to the ground and help me to stay put and to give room and space for you to be God, for you to do what you need to do in and through us. Father, I pray for these children that are in this room, that we do not wait for them to grow up into their calling, but that we fan that flame now, that we build them up, that we stand with them as they go into their battlefield every day. As they go to school, as they are with neighbors and they are with their friends, that they are equipped to do the work that you've called them to do. Wherever we find ourselves, when we find ourselves in confidence being who you have called us to be, linking arms, fighting this battle together, recognizing who the enemy is, and not attacking each other, but keeping you at the center of all that we say, all that we do so that you receive glory and honor in everything. 
Jesus' mighty and precious name we pray. Amen. Go and be blessed.